Hello friends, how's it going? It's Matt, you're listening to episode 113 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. Uh, and this week I've got a very intriguing character indeed, John Sampson, aka musician and composer, CJ Mirror. Now I've known about John for a few years, mainly because we've got mutual friends and through his collaborations with filmmaker and recent podcast guest Chris McLean. And most recently because of Translate, Chris's most recent film, which was soundtracked by John and which was premiered with a live audiovisual spectacular at the 2019 London Surf Film Festival. I did cover this um, in my interview with Chris McLean. And as I said at the time, I was lucky enough to be there for that performance. And it really was brilliant, marshalled by John and executed to perfection. Hard to overstate the creative ambition of that concept, actually. And hearing the backstory to that whole performance and where the whole idea came from. Definitely one of the highlights of this conversation today that you're going to listen to. I actually asked John to come on the show that night after the performance when we were having a beer, but I only got round to arrange a time at the beginning of February 2020 when me and Toza headed up to his studio in Leighton in East London. And yeah, what a fascinating look into a singular creative life this one is. I mean, sure, we talked about his work on Translate, and the other surf film soundtracks and indeed the other general soundtracks he's worked on. We covered his musical career, we found out how he got where he is today but really this is an exploration of the importance of creative courage, honesty and developing a mature artistic mindset really. I'd say it's about the importance of finding and being comfortable with your own place in the creative sphere. I mean, yes, we are in Kevin Kelly, 1,000 true fans territory here, and I make no apologies for that, because really this conversation is a welcome reminder that success, and I am inverting the commas, comes in all shapes and sizes, and that the work only thrives when you understand and make your own peace with that. Sounds good, right? I'll be back at the end, but here's me and John, aka CJ Mirror, talking about just that, buried melodies. Enjoy. Two, one, two. There we go. Buckle man, shoot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice spot, man. Cheers. How long have you been here? Just over a year. Brilliant. I mean, so you, this is all your gear then, basically. Yeah, well, I share this with my my brother, who's a beatboxer. Right. And my wife, who goes by the last name, Ronica. Right. And she's a musician as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've just amalgamated all your stuff. Yeah, put it all together, sort of home from home now. Yeah, this is a lovely little spot, isn't it? So, the, so your routine is like most days in here? Yeah, like five, six days a week. Yeah. Coming here. Okay. Out of the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> into, to a little room. Well, I mean, this is like classic rehearsal, like the whole space is just classic rehearsal room vibes, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Basic, basically. Yeah. Um, and... Like so, all this gear you know, you got some. You've obviously been collecting gear over the years because you've got some pretty tasty. You know, there's some stuff going on. So, is it is it a sound that you're after, or do you just like collecting gear? Uh, no, it's de- there's definitely a sound. Like, you, yeah, you just sort of you've always got your eye on something. I think. Yeah, because I've got like, so many mates who are musicians who like are always buying. You know, when they see something and add into it, because there's always like a an end game of like yeah. the perfect kind of setup is that sort you save of searches on ebay and all yeah that? Like, exactly yeah. so is that what's kind of going on you yeah know? definitely and you just think like when something comes up at like 
that you can afford or that you need to definitely need for a certain project yeah like yeah it's like n plus one isn't it the rule about bikes you know the perfect number of bikes is the number of bikes you've got plus, plus one that new one yeah. yeah yeah exactly so what what kind of um like you know the the, uh, the sound that you're kind of going for like what's it influenced by with this I'm, I'm talking about the gear the gear tip not the not the actual sounds you know is uh, it was all pretty like there's a good mix of like old and new yeah so uh like i'm not like a, like an analog purist or anything like that i like I yeah love, that's what i mean basically yeah are like you the digital to like... world is like infinite fun yeah basically, an so infinite you possibility you're not like analog snob that's one day looking to get rid of all your digital kind of no not at all like i sometimes I, I will just live in the analog domain or i like the sounds that you know like i've got an old 1970s amplifier you know lots of guitar pedals lots of stuff happens beautiful jazz master in the corner oh yeah 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 i got that had to sort of had to get that when i was doing the more of the surf <laughs> surf stuff even yeah, though it's not yeah. traditionally surf tone kind of music but no. i've always loved that sound and yeah. then that's that's been my main one it's like a 1970s hagstrom yeah that i got from a, a mate who was in a band called bivouac and he he had two exactly the same right and when we we did this little surf tour last year we did some like in stores we played the finisterre in store in exeter which is where he lives right and he came to the show and he's so like i just want to hold it <laughs> one more time <laughs> give me give me the hagstrom back yeah right so you're working on translate a yeah. minute. you you were just saying that you're basically um in the final stages you're getting it mastered yes yeah, ready to be sent off like send it you know out and through the ones and zeros and out into the world yeah because we last saw each other when you did the live performance um which was when i interviewed chris obviously yeah back in october um so it's yeah it'd be interesting starting there really and kind of understanding how that project worked because there's been a long kind of gestation that whole thing hasn't it really from start to finish by the sounds of it yeah the, the yeah translate's been like bubbling away for a few years like we yeah. always knew there was going to be a time when you know it'd be like our main focus um but it's taken a few years to get there and then like the two weeks before that show was like nuts yeah because you did you have the idea to to do it live all along yeah that was all like pretty much always the plan because you and chris have worked together on what six or seven projects i'm guessing no like i think probably like the bigger projects yeah but loads more right like little projects as well um and so you've presumably got a methodology now that that you, that, that works that you know like. yeah totally and that, and he like it's, it's sort of evolved a little bit from the very first project we did which was beyond the scars yeah when yeah we were just sort of like working out what's going to work best he'd sent me pretty much close to the final edit for that right and but now it's a lot more like who can just tell me like how it's going to feel or what the scene might be like and I can get on with it and then he can start editing to that at that point. It right. didn't work out so much like that with Translate because he was here for like a week before right. staying in the, his camper out there and we were in here just By like... By the mattresses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, dead <laughs> right. comfy. Yeah, like smashing through the scenes. Right. Like getting it, yeah, getting it ready to... Oh, right, it. so you're kind of almost now editing and composing on the fly as it were. For that, there was, yeah, there was, you know, he had his set up right where you are. And right. Yeah. That's really interesting, but that's evolved. So the first time you worked, so maybe go, but let's go back even further. And so the oh, first time you started, so that was when was that? Beyond the scars. That was what, presumably, two thousand twelve, thirteen. Yes, thirteen. Eight years ago. Yeah. And how did you guys meet? So I was in a band called Swimming. Right. And um, I think it was around the time SoundCloud just happened. Right. And the new MySpace. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
see you, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> from yeah. No more friends. Yeah, exactly. Showing our age there. Um, and then I put up a, a swimming track onto SoundCloud. It was just meant to be on private. And and you clicked the wrong button. Yeah, it just went up publicly. Right. And I don't know, he'd already heard of us or like we'd, we'd done some weird recording in a in the sky space in this like installation up in Kilda Forest and he'd seen that video that's how he was aware of us and then so he saw it, it was like oh I want that track on this film he was working on right I remembered like 15 minutes later oh I think I hit private by mistake I mean it was public I should go and uh, make it private so I yeah. went on changed it he'd sent the link out to everyone like everyone he's working with on the film and they were like the link's dead and they're like what they just put it up right so he got in touch with my manager at the time and for some reason I said, oh, that sounds cool, surf film. Tell him to give me a shout. And we like chatted on the phone for two hours or something. Right. And then he called me back a little bit, saying, you know, just talking about what he was doing, what he was going to use that track for. And then he called me back like straight afterwards and went, I'm actually doing a new one. Could you write a new score? Right. Like, uh, yeah, and that was Beyond the Scars. And had you done anything of that sort of scale before? Because you said, because you grew up playing in bands and like that kind of, indie route is that, is that kind of yeah was? definitely so and we were just like studio practices yeah playing live and were you producing that stuff is that, yeah. how, you, is that how you got into it yeah so you kind of yeah. started to get more experience and, and interest in that side of things basically yeah i mean we don't sometimes just for like just for fun like or writing excited we'd just write for imaginary scenes or existing right scenes like sometimes that was like quite a good way of rooting uh you know an idea or something yeah to, get it to tell a story or work in parallel with something else that might be a similar message or a similar feel when you're writing with the band you mean yeah or just you know or even just on my own time and yeah. so that's interesting because it's like almost like a way of tricking yourself into contextualizing something creatively isn't it yeah you know, to give yourself a context that you have to work to and for the point of that away for then... the point of just like actually having a goal almost yeah we just like some you know not too much of that stuff made it onto the records because they were quite they always had like a know concept and all that stuff but yeah just as a way of like learning about yeah you know, just what sound can do how it can tell a story without words was like that it was just interesting right and so when it came to doing because surfing's kind of it's like an abstract you know they weren't and that's something that i've loved about working with chris is he does try and introduce like narrative or like a variety of tones or a variety of feels in quite a short space of time yeah and he, he does not really well he doesn't do it in a because one of the things we talked about wasn't it he doesn't do it in like a super obvious way as well which is what i really like yeah exactly you know it has a viewpoint but it's not it's not like a super linear like ramming it down your throat you know you have to kind of find it pick it out yeah but there's definitely a viewpoint and i think that's one of the things that makes his films quite distinct right totally i mean you can tell it's his film like, yeah yeah so you felt quite ready for like when when he's like oh yeah do you want to score this you were like oh okay yeah we'd done a couple of films before like short films right um and so we'd we'd already like dabbled in that but that they were much more narrative led where the music sat you know quite far back but this was like more of an opportunity to for the music there was like music all the way through yeah you know nothing being said except for the poem yeah so you had to work with that and around that and yeah i, I just fell in love with doing it right it. and he so on that first project because i'm just really interested in like you've you've hinted the fact that it's involved your working relationship so that first project he had an edit and he was like right here's the thing go off and come back with something essentially yeah or, or like the, he's got like the first he's edited the first sequence together yeah you know so you got maybe the first two minutes and then 
So and then the middle section is going to be a bit like this and then there's going to be an end section that's like that. And so I could already be thinking about what's coming next. Right. So it wasn't going to sound like, it, it could all sound like one score. This idea of like either soundtracks where you create pieces of music that work in discrete moments in the film or yeah. you do like a score for it where it has its own sort of sonic identity sure. throughout it. So yeah, it was like trying to work on it sort of between that. Right. It almost sounded quite bandy, but yeah. it was a little bit expanded to work as a score. And did you, yeah, yeah. Did you, and so did you play everything or did you do it with the band or how did you do it? For that one, I played nearly everything actually. Right. I even played the drums. I'm terrible. Right. Drums. <laughs> My brother was the drummer in the band, but he was away. Right. And then we went into a studio. I was in Nottingham at the time where I lived. And I did, I did half of it in Nottingham and half of it in Barcelona. But yeah, all the tracking, like pianos and guitars and stuff, I did all that. So how, how do you, are you literally like watching the visuals and then coming up with the ideas as you're watching it? Yeah. And Chris came actually to the studio for this, for the main kind of theme or the main progression in that. Yeah. Like we were working on that on the piano and he was in there because he wanted to get some behind the scenes sort of footage. But because right. he was there while I was kind of writing the main bit, he was just like, yeah, yeah, like, more like that. He got quite play, involved, which is brilliant. Do, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, more like that. that yeah. Do that again. So yeah, that was, yeah, that was really good because I think that like sort of showed him or gave him like the what what you, what it is to be a director working with music that's coming fresh is a different thing to picking something off the shelf. Yeah, right. So then, for your next projects, that closeness and that working together evolved by the sounds of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so did you go on the shoots as well? Did you first shoot was Edges of Sanity shoot right with the finished day guys. That was yeah, so good. So and where where was that shot? Uh, north coast of Scotland. Right. Yeah. Oh, that was the camping trip, mm, wasn't it? Too big with the two old Swedish army tents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you, so you were able to go up and kind of get involved, be involved with the shoot, sort of be part of it. Did that help the process then when you when you came to do the music? Well, here was the thing with that. This is how I kind of ended up getting into sound design. Is could you know we did some other like short surf films that you know were pretty sort of niche. They weren't as big as Beyond the Scars or what Edges of Sanity, uh, Sanity became, but because quite a lot of the you go on the shoot and you you know you film in from miles away you've got these big lenses and everything or and it's just like you just hear noise it's just like wind noise or like distorted noise which you yeah. either strip off and just lay some some waves down which I don't think is very it's not a very immersive thing so you can create this whole like soundtrack that you're trying to create this like atmosphere and this vibe for this particular moment and then if you've just got some like pretty bad crashy wave sounds over the top you're like fighting against they're not working together it's not like and so this whole distinction of what is music and what is sound started totally blurring for me okay right and so i was like i, I was gonna ask you about that because it seems from listen yeah you don't want to ask like a really cheesy question like are you trying to like replicate the sound of the ocean with the music but like there definitely seems to be an elemental feel to it where 100 no, percent. Oh, yeah where, where it, it you know and clearly you're working really well with chris and you've got this like great create a relationship together but it does seem to complement it on that let's just say non-melodic level you know what i mean and obviously your music is like very melodic you know they're, they're re like that is a key part of it but you know what i mean like it, it I, I did wonder if that was a, an intentional thing yeah that like 100 percent like a cro like in every like literally every moment that's sort of what you're trying right to do and either you're working with it or you're pushing against it or um you're preparing for some moment to happen 
you know, like, and it's you're just playing with what the dynamics of what Chris has captured and yeah. how he's edited it together. And sometimes, you know, occasionally I've done something and that's in, Chris has gone back into the edit to make more space for that musical idea to happen or right. just for the sound to happen. So, um, so that's why I said, like, you know, the the idea of Edges of Sanity came. We start putting together the ideas, and it was like, I've, I've got to come. I need to record the sounds when we're there. Yeah. Like, it's going to inform the music, definitely. But yeah. also, just let's just capture the sound like really well. Let's get really good recordings of the sea. Let's get, they wanted to have the bit in the tents, the, you know, the whole like experience of doing this trip. It wasn't just about being in the water. And so, so I rang up a mate. He was really good at like field recording and all that stuff because I didn't have very much experience of it. Yeah, I was going to say, do you do much kind of found soundy stuff before then? Only like on dictaphones. Like I'm a big, like I love, yeah. you know, I've got a lot of tapey stuff just because I like, you know, don't know if it's a nostalgia or a sound thing, but I still, yeah. that's what I'm drawn to. And like, but yeah, this, so my friend, he like said, get this, hire this, take this, live with it for a week before, just like have it around the house and then you'll be ready. And so I took it and it was like all the difference. That was like the first thing I did was like start right. layering up the sound, like, you know, just the fire, the sound of everyone around. Yeah. Just how different the, the wave sounded. You know, quite often I'd be up in the middle of the night just getting the sounds when there's nothing else going on. Not that there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but like, <laughs> you know, there was just times when it was like just that boom, you know, the boom. And I was like, oh, if I go down to this bit of the cliff, you get the echo and it's yeah, just a yeah. little bit more dramatic. Or if you yeah. go right up to the top of the cliffs, it just feels like the atmosphere is you know it's otherworldly it's like distant and it's all more about the wind and the sense of you know like uh well actually i did a film like, i was really lucky the first feature film i did was i was working with a sound recorder called chris watson have you heard of him uh i don't think so no. he does all he did loads of like the bbc life right stuff. he used to be in cabaret voltaire as well really like, yeah and, and the cabaret voltaire so i was yeah. like and the uh, okay. the director of that film um great director called martin radich he was like oh we've got to get chris watson on this film like he's a you know, big fan and yeah. loved his sound recording work. Like he's done loads of recordings on touch um, records. And like one of them is just the sound of these specific, uh, the Humboldt current actually, right. hydrophones. No way. It's one of my favorite sounds ever. It's basically like what waves sound like underwater. Yeah. And so we got to spend like, um, like two days up at Chris's place in Newcastle. Wow. Just like going through his sound library to work with this film we were doing called Norfolk. Right. And I just learned so much. I was like, you know, I was just like mouth and ears open. Yeah. Just like, what's that? It's like, oh, that's it was what, it was whatever we threw at him. He'd be like, yeah, you know, yeah, I've got some, I've got something for that. Yeah. Uh, just give me a minute, <laughs> give me a minute. And like, um, the rest was like, we need, we need something that the, the main character is, is this beast, but he's fast asleep. He still needs to feel like there's something threatening going on. He's like, oh, got a cheetah purring <laughs> I might do I'm sure it. i've got something there yeah. yeah and like he gets out the sound of a cheetah purring and it was like you know you can't really hear it in the final mix of the film but yeah. you can feel it like you know if you took it out you'd miss it right and like loads of stuff like that so i learned loads from um was from chris real tradition in that kind of even like bbc radiophonic sort of thing like field recordings like that whole it is a big part of that that genre of music isn't it yeah you know, this that like it it is like a it's definitely a thing isn't it so yeah i mean it must have been amazing to kind of pick somebody like that's brains and and then bring it into what you were doing exactly it was like unreal and so when it came to doing like recording sounds of the ocean which chris has done a lot of i was like what's the 
trick how do you get it to work because it's just a white noise machine right yeah. it's just you know and and he's just like depth you need to get it at close you need to get it further away and then further away again you know like and and build it up and as the you move with the camera or you move against the camera and and you find a way of picking out like the right shape of the waves you know or the you know you, you make it work with um with the footage so it's just little bits of advice like that i actually was lucky enough to interview him for a backwash issue right so there's a little thing just us talking no way yeah you know, me me like geeking out you yeah, know, asking yeah. those questions about how do you record the the ocean again and again right yeah so you so on that shoot when you were using this you know you were doing these recordings did you were you then able to take them away and use did you did you get ideas from that then or did you use them as like a layering exercise um no i did, did use it quite a lot so there's there's one bit where it's like because one one thing that I, you know I really love again about Chris's films is it takes a little while to really sh show you what it's about. Yeah, you know they'll build some atmosphere. You'll get some, you know, some hint of the characters or the place before you like get that shot of like these great waves um, that he's always in the right spot to get at the right time. And this one, and there's not even anyone on it. I actually spent like a day and a half working with just that synth there. I've got a Juno sixty. I love it, and just working to like. I'm, I was like, I'm going to be literal on this point. Like you were saying earlier, how much do you try and make it sound like? Yeah. Whatever. That was one place where I thought I could probably get away with it. Right. So I spent a long time just trying to get that work as like a real sonic moment that just fully locked you in with that movement. Yeah, no, it makes sense when you listen to it because it's what I meant when I was saying about the melody thing earlier because, you know, when, when I listen to your music, the, the kind of often starts with like a, you know, like a motif or something that, isn't immediately obvious but then as the song progresses you kind of understand that that's what's anchoring the whole thing if that makes sense and it's interesting to talk about that because i kind of wondered if that came from the visuals or it was part of as you're describing like the actual composition if you know what i mean so yeah it's interesting so have you and chris like got more in tune with kind of aligning the visuals and the music in this way than as it's progressed yeah i mean i think it's just like like this combination of like total brutal honesty, you know, like I've sent him stuff that I've been just off the bat. I'm like, oh, I'm playing around with this. He's like, uh, <laughs> nah, what about something more, you know, like, which is, you know, you just need that straight away. Otherwise yeah. you're fighting, you know, you're going uphill all the time from that. But, um, so now, yeah, it, like with translate, I guess, cause translates are the, definitely the most ambitious thing. Yeah. That's why done. I was asking about the live thing. So from the start, you, you had the chat about, let's let's do this yeah so that was the ambition from it from the beginning did that change the way you approached it yeah because we weren't sure what that was gonna look like we did because that came off the bat we did these um live like audio visual things called chasing zero and that was basically we'd done all these short films and they'd gone off and done these festivals and we were like what it'd be great to find a way of like making this work as one like 40 minute or so like performance like how can we present all the stuff that exists in its own little spots on the internet or in festivals as like something a bit more um just present it in a way that people could access like in the moment and that we could respond to in a new way like breathe new life into that footage and into these pieces of music and so we did this thing called chasing zero and that was him like live vjing you know with some software we sort of knew roughly it was like okay this is stuff going to be from edges of satney or it's going to be from uh you know the snowy stuff that he shot in sweden um and 
that it was just so much fun and it was so like it totally changed the that, way that sounds rad yeah it was it was really good and there was quite large sort of mo- moments in time that were pretty improvised right we were just like uh we know we're going to end up like at that point but we're not sure how to get there and so we did that as like a me and another musician called Kirk Spencer or we did it once as a three piece with a um a cellist um she's actually she's an amazing pianist as well she's done some stuff on translate right Andrea Balancy but and so we were like what would this be like if it was all for one film and that, you know so when he was talking about translate he's like well maybe maybe translate's the next step for that so how was it putting it together uh, was was it different with that as an end goal yeah totally because we he'd he'd always chris had always had like quite a clear idea of what he wanted to to feel like with the music yeah he'd had like eight or nine <laughs> different playlists he sent me right you know just like i'm into this sort of feel for this bit and and so on and you know so we share like obviously like luckily we share like a musical taste that we're into the same stuff give us a few kind of indicators there just like uh forest swords it's like an early one we were both into or like one of tricks but never or sort of darker electronic stuff boys of canada yeah i was gonna say one. i was gonna ask you about that some um, warp stuff as well maybe yeah like definitely on the more ambient side because we spent a long time especially with edges like working out what, yeah, what it was going to sound like. Yeah. What's the instrumentation going to be? Is it going to be classical? Is it going to be like, will there be classical elements? Well, I was going to ask you about that as well because it's obviously not like normal surf soundtrack reference points, really. You know, because yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, traditional yeah. sorts, you know, you go way back, it's, you know, obviously like there's a very traditional surf sound. There's no Dick Dale stuff, which I well, love. Well, no, like, yeah, like, but, then, but then, you know, and then you go through like soundtracky kind of, I can't think of many reference points like this, really. So is that, and you must have, if you had that conversation, presumably that came up. It's just because of how it, it just looks different. Like the colours are totally different. Yeah, I mean, it's a different palette, isn't it, yeah. essentially? Like when you see in, um, you know, like wind so strong that it's pushing waterfalls up the wrong way and like yeah. all the, like everything, the spray is just next level and you're trying to look through all that and it's like, you know dark browns and dark greens and very dark blues it's a hot everything feels totally different and the pace of it i think is really different right so the energy isn't it there's loads more like variety like of the pace on translate than any of the shorts everything on the shorts it's like this slow deep churn rather than like anything whippy or quick and so if the music went off and it was just like traditional psych kind of rock or yeah. anything like that it just was i mean i love doing that i love doing making that kind of stuff but it just wouldn't have been in keeping no nah, not at all so yeah you know you know nils Frami stuff that it's that kind of you know more organic palette and yeah. more uh for want of a better word like other worldly lots of like it's hard to talk about without kind of feel like well, a, that's what i nearly said for, pastoral like, and i'm like oh. yeah no no i mean yeah, it's true like the, Dan- yeah. dancing about architecture and all yeah. that um right so you had the you got so you've got a, like a group of reference points that you kind of adhere to and you know yeah. you, you've got a ballpark that, you, that you're kind of looking at yeah totally and yeah. that again that's like evolved and just how there's moments on this which we were like how how much can we get that that feeling with just way less layers you know i'm big into like oh just you know one more line like one more guitar one yeah. more whatever 
and but it's just like some, some really like much rawer stripped down moments um yeah which just yeah work for a bigger length of film you need those moments i think so but what's interesting as well with this is you basically got like two deadlines didn't you you know the live deadline and then a, and then a kind of recorded deadline yeah. presumably yeah um so let's talk about the live deadline first because obviously we saw that show and you started off by saying you had two weeks by the sounds of it to get that sorted yeah it was pretty um but it was sort of great to work under that like it did feel like pressure it did feel like yeah this has got to happen big, like big do wasn't it yeah you know that's just... the best thing i've seen at that festival i mean it was it was great oh, cheers, man. yeah no it was yeah. it was really wicked and yeah. um yeah i mean obviously you massively pulled it off as you you know um, well, was, like the other musicians were amazing yeah like, you had some good players in there didn't you yeah the re i'll just tell you how the drummer got involved so he's a, he works here and he's a drummer he plays in this great band called tusks and he he's playing battle and a few other cool projects and um and we become like good mates just here because i'm always here and he he practices like all the time he's just like that's what he does he's a drummer yeah and uh he he's like you, you know you're normally like pretty sort of chill but you look like <laughs> something's up <laughs> what's, what's going on and i was like oh there's this you know i'm putting this thing together so i'm just like head down just got to do it you know i was a bit like less yeah. sort of chatty than i usually am or something and and he was like right what do you need and i was like what do you mean he goes i can help right i've got this kit you know i've got these samplers or whatever i'm not i don't just hit you know normal drums i got i can i can work with um, so you've never worked with them before no Oh, that's and so I came in and I played See, that's him. funny because I just assumed that that was your usual sort of group of people that you played with. No, he just like... That's really funny. It was it was amazing. It was like, you know, like... Uh, I mean, what good, in, what good intuition for someone I didn't know that well just to like yeah, yeah. see like a little you change. Like, and... You look like you need a drummer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've seen that face before. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I showed him a scene. It was actually the first scene was the horses. Right. And, and so... It, it's pretty not you know it's trumpets and like big atmosphere and these huge drums and and uh and he's just like okay it's different i wasn't when he said surf films it's not yeah. no way i expected he's like where's dick dale yeah exactly <laughs> and and then he's like right well let's you know let's break it down how long have we got how many scenes are there how long is it how much is written and he was really good like he sort of held me by the hand a little bit right right uh, in terms of how as the, the production in terms of how we were going to do it live is like and who else is there and it, it's a guy uh called charles watson who um was in slow club great band called slow club and i like really liked his solo stuff as well and we'd been hanging out and he was like um like sort of similar like played him some stuff he's like I'm, I'm all over it i've got this I've got this and then uh then there's leanne curran as well yeah who i'd worked with a lot before and toured with and she was always going to be in also for writing parts of it from quite early on and then as it happened just the timing just made it quite tricky so we came and we did like two big jams over like big sections and and then we didn't all get together in one space until the night really mm. wow in the tradition of i think it's the same for like every band in the world though isn't it really you know yeah it's it's never as organized as you as you think it's going to be wait can't it, it i mean it almost worked out like at the at the peak point it could have done yeah because there was still so much and the main thing i could say to them is like this stuff's written this stuff's improvised the main thing that's going to lead us is the film yeah don't look at me like, <laughs> look, at, look at the film and listen yeah. to what's there so, so that was another question that i had from watching it so it was 
it felt like a lot of it was improvised. Yeah. Um. So that was how could you put a put a number on that? It's probably like there's. I think there's there's probably something in like a bed that's happening that I'm either playing live or is coming off. Uh, like a, I was using a tape or a or the laptop for maybe seventy percent of it. Right. So there's there's that like, you know, if we all stopped playing, there would still be sound for yeah. about seventy percent of it. Sure. And then. The other thirty percent is stuff that we did in the moment. Either we knew like a progression that we were going to work around, or yeah. something that we were going to aim for. Um, they were tasteful, definitely. Yeah, because I recorded that like a really dodgy, like little, you know, just like record portable recorder thing. Yeah, but that has informed what the soundtrack. Well, that was going to be like. my next question, actually, obviously. So, like, did that? Did you? Did you? At the point of the live thing, did you have a? a finished idea or did you use the live thing as part of the process to get to that finished idea um definitely part of the process right yeah because there was a few bits that like we had rehearsed you know we had rehearsed we just hadn't rehearsed together so i had yeah. with leanne like across the whole film or with the other two like across the whole film and so um and then there was just that moment of unknown stuff during the improvisations when we were all together and then one bit was just totally different to, right. and it was just way better i thought it just right. felt so much better so that just changed the trailer changed the whole feel and the whole track like there and then right um and then even since then like living with it a little bit i think i think you can get away with being more dynamic and changing when it's a live experience than when you're watching it as a film yeah it's actually all come in now sort of feeling far more like one sound one score or one soundtrack than perhaps it even did on the night right yeah i don't know that's just like me because i've been i've had my head in it yeah yeah so you've then had what is it five months four months five months to finish it yeah and um it sounds like you've been again like the the writing part's been going on all the way through really you know you've been saying you've got like string plays on it you've been you've been recording different studios and um but you finished now yeah it's done it's done so how, how you feeling about it uh well the first like round of what i thought was done went out to everyone and so i've just been working on like everyone's sort of notes how they're feeling about it um which is good like you know chris has been so close to it but this stage is kind of weird that we've got a bit more distance right and i'm also because i did that um soundtracks or i put out a record called static which was came out a couple of years ago and that was like all the the surf stuff that i'd done up to that point so, yeah, it's like got some of the Finisterre stuff on there. Yeah, it? exactly. And, and a few other bits. on there, isn't it? Yeah, and um, this film soundtrack for a film called Headache. Yeah. Um, been surfing did out in Germany, you know, Felix Gansick. And a few other things. that So it's all like in that same world. Um, but I learned loads from taking the music off the picture and sticking it onto like Spotify or whatever. Sure. It's actually a totally different beast. Yeah, well, that's, that's why I'm asking sort of what we're getting at really because if you're composing so much to visuals and for such a particular you know because obviously like like kind of saying soundscape soundtracks is just a very particular way of writing isn't it yeah, you know like it, rather than i'm going to sit down and write an album that i'm going to put out on spotify as it is these days or whatever so i mean i'm definitely interested in in sounds like it's informed the whole thing you know like the way that you like you're saying with with, with that record and then the way that you've finished this one like listening back to static i'm like wow i'm expecting not like expecting but you know 
there's 11 minutes of one track to sit through with like three different distinct parts to it that's like a you know it's not maybe the most digestible or accessible way to to like experience what we were trying to do when it's not locked to picture so like with translate is a really good like sort of uh, example of it where i think it's shot in like around sunderland like northeast somewhere around there and it's um like it looks pretty bleak very, very like industrial and just for that it goes down just as the sound of this bowed clothes horse thing that i really like the sound of right and that goes on for as like, in literally literally a you, you got a bow on a clothes horse yeah and a right. little contact mic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right and uh next level foul sound yeah exactly yeah um came from the skip actually next door the right by the mattresses yeah <laughs> but that's like a seven minute section right i don't think that maybe that's gonna sit that well on the record yeah so there's like a two minute edit <laughs> you know there's like the radio edit the yeah, yeah. Or whatever. right so it just being a little bit more you know less like justice for soundtracks but more like actually this let's just like present it in the most uh like well you said digestible yeah like digestible like frame it in a way that really really gets to the essence of what you're trying to do without um it almost feels like it's it becomes diluted when it goes on too long or when it's not presented in the right way well you know the ability to self-edit is is pretty important yeah i wish i'd learned about that earlier well yeah but i mean it's uh, it's i try to think of oh that's why musicians are producers isn't it Mm. basically you know without obviously being too glib but that and that's why writers have editors it's it's like you know you you you, half of it is finishing something so that other people will enjoy it isn't it yeah you know what i mean like and it's interesting to hear you say that because i never really thought of it like that i I guess i kind of think of it as like here's a soundtrack bang it out but yeah you're right i mean it's a different way of experiencing it, isn't it's it it's just a different thing like i want want people to hear the soundtrack because that's going to come out quite a long time before the film yeah you can watch the film in full and so you're never gonna before it was the other way around like you go and see all the, the films beforehand they're you know they're all on vimeo and whatever yeah. but this time it almost wants to be a calling card for the you want you want people to hear the like the how it sounds how it feels and that to be like what would that sound like live because that's what we want to do right tour it oh well uh, yeah so that's the plan do yeah. more of them is yeah. that going to happen then yeah i hope so yeah so we're just chatting to in fact the, like the number of people who've been in touch saying like just off the back of that one show just word of mouth because we haven't really shouted about it or put the word out yet it's just been like phenomenal just like a number of people saying we want you know could you come and do this here could you come and do this here so what, where, where are you going to try and do it you're going to try and do festivals and stuff yeah like as many as possible yeah yeah so yeah have you I was just thinking, because uh, um, a friend of mine runs Candle Festival. Oh, sick. Probably go down pretty well, though, wouldn't it? Definitely. But yeah, you can see it working really well in those environments. I mean, there's a, and there's a lot of them now, right? You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a circuit, isn't there, that you can do. And also, like, getting it into music festivals as well. Yeah. Because they, quite often they're getting more, you know, indoor stages or tent stages where you can have projections. So we didn't really do that, you know, with, like, literally with Static, we didn't even, like, service it to you know send it out to the music press or like there was no like press person doing all that sort of how you'd normally you know we used to do records with the band and stuff yeah it was literally all within kind of felt like it was all within the culture it was all within like people would understand it but this i think we're going to try and see about yeah playing some more traditional music festivals and are you going to release it and you know 
traditionally as in like vinyl and yeah totally yeah right yeah so how are you going to do that have you got a are you just going to self do that yourself there's a label called state 51 okay. so they did static and right they're going to do this okay wicked yeah so people will be able to wow even buy it even if, buy it if they want yeah imagine that <laughs> exactly. imagine buying music yeah although well, i buys music don't you yeah nice the only person i think I know yeah it's pretty rare still does. Yeah. <laughs> but we want to do like i'm you know i'm into the whole physical package thing and like we want to do you know not just necessarily vinyl like i did a compilation of uh like ambient tracks just to listen to on headphones they're mixed binaurally and we made like this little 3d printed astronaut with a usb stick in the rocket pack <laughs> that's how you got it and it right. came in a little box with a booklet and everything like i think there's still a space for that oh definitely and when the film whenever the actual release date is for the film right it'd be cool to do something where the, the soundtrack and the film and you know a little booklet all that stuff comes together that sounds great um so will that be this summer that you try and do that probably the winter yeah. probably be like sort of thinking like a year on from when we did the first show yeah same same people yeah be a mission yeah. getting everyone together right but then again that's also just anything with people isn't it yeah trying yeah. to get it together great so what's next after that or is that gonna be you know we translate well no for you because obviously you know you you kind of probably best known um, you know certainly for me but people listen to this for the surf stuff but you you know you working composer on you you know you do film stuff you do you know you do different projects so have you got any other stuff that you're working on are you, you know you got any of the projects that you got you know brilliant yeah, this um it's like three films between now and april i'm doing three shorts there's one the next one is called working titles of the tunnel about three iranians um getting into the uk f by running the channel tunnel <laughs> right a, a great iranian director it's like i think it's his second short film but really good script they've been shot really well so yeah i'm just just about to start that um and then yeah but the main thing i've, I've finished a record like of my own stuff it's gonna oh, be like did, a new project oh you did you finished it as well yeah. so you've been doing it at the same time yeah well that was it's been like on the go for a little bit and there was never like because i've been definitely like been really in film world and doing sound design and for various projects but yeah this year's the year so it's going to be called cj's mirror mains so it's sort of tied to it a little bit be a little three-piece band right yeah. so you're gonna do like record it live um it's all it's all tracks already oh it is all done yeah you've done it yeah so what um what's that um where's that coming from don't know yet it's just yeah i mean it's, it's probably gonna happen kind of in tandem with translate okay so probably put, put a track out in thinking about like may time right new spring yeah and is it a similar tracks. what what's how does it compare sound wise to translate well, it's all like very songy. Oh, is it's it? funny, yeah. They get because uh, I, I, you know, I've recorded it mostly myself and worked in a few studios, with a few different people. And then the guy who has ended up uh, mixing it, this guy called Dan Trachtenberg, he's actually done. Um, he does loads of grime stuff, like he did like Skepta and right. <laughs> Octavian and all these people. But um, he's a good mate, and he he was he was listening to it, my my own like mixes, and he's just like, it sounds like you do soundtracks. You know, you've like hiding everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's like, it's just like, so he's been really good at like stripping it down and kind of making it more sort of exciting for me, just having someone else with that energy to be like. Yeah, well, it's that production thing again, isn't it? Yeah. You know, somebody that can come in and help you find like the things that you can't see in there, maybe. So it's more of a kind of song-based guitar, yeah, totally gu song. guitar-y thing. Because yeah. you 
because you were a frontman, right? You sang in in, in the bands because you sang on the Translate Night as well, didn't you? Yeah. Um, right. So is that is that kind of where you, where this came from? Like your musical background was? Did you, did you grow up like in bands and you know doing that kind of more trad sort of songwriting thing? Yeah, I mean, it's just if it, it, I mean, when you're a teenager, it's just so it just felt so automatic. Yeah, like it was just like a no. I didn't even there's no thinking about it. It was yeah. like uh, went to a mesat. He was like we. You know, at the time, it was a little bit like home life, a bit turbulent, spending a lot of time at mates, staying on couches, like all this energy, not wanting to put it in a different direction to you do when you're a bit younger and um, just finding this, you know, like that pure, like the way I got it, the first thing that like changed, like, you know, that whole change, what changed your life, got you into music, but sort of semi-embarrassing story, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was like, I was a... Uh, I was at a, in a car journey and this a mate of my little brother's had a cassette tape and on it was it was like now something one of these now tapes but it had girls and boys by blur on it I mean what a baseline yeah it's a banger and I was like oh can I borrow the tape to rip it I I'll forgive like, him all the cheese in the world for that baseline yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's so yeah, exactly. it still great isn't the cheese it? is good too but yeah apparently so yeah. yeah I mean that is a that is a yeah so that was that was a it wasn't that so i borrowed the tape took right. it home and then uh, listening to it at night like made my you know ripped my own copy and then um it flipped to the other side and then just this thing just like freaking like blew my mind like as a what was it, like the 13 14 year old and it just was like i couldn't believe it, it felt like a gift like that just spoke so directly and i just was obsessed with this like these, I think it was like eight or nine tracks there. It wasn't even the full record. I listened to it again and again and again and again and again. And there was no label on it. I didn't know what it was. And I eventually said to my mate, like, I've, I've found something. And I played it to him and he like, you twat. They're like the biggest band in the world. <laughs> I was, was going like, to say. It was freaking Nevermind. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I'd like uncovered some like thing from another time and another place. And it was like, and then I saw it just like, all the older kids, they all had like, yeah, on the back, you know, he'd been I, I was, for I was a while. really wondering what the punchline was going to be there. I was like, it's not going to be Oasis, is it? Or, <laughs> no, that. yeah, so yeah, I've never said that publicly before, but um, yeah, that's what it that's what did it. So then it was just like, right, how do you do this? Get a guitar, yeah, yeah, my brother, you're young, you can you can drum. <laughs> like, Peter was you know, he's good, he's really good at guitar and everything as well, but he yeah. drummed and mate played the bass and that was it we started just playing like every possible place ever yeah for a while nice yeah. so then bands 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 as you grew up bands, as you got bands, older yeah um and did you put records out yeah so we did two as swimming we never did like um like swimming was like it was so weird like it was a weird band to be in so like me and like you know four mates that we'd known for such a long time we did so much ourselves like we were super into that like diy to the die thing like recorded ourselves however it was like diy hi-fi you know it was like laptops were getting okay at recording yeah we weren't going into studios really or we just track some drums in some studios and then do it ourselves so it's sort of listen back and you know it's like um you could hear what we were trying to do and not quite pulling off but we did you know like loads of people got into it you know we got like top 10 album in the fly like in the Clash magazine, got yeah, yeah. compared to like a hundred different acts in the mainstream press, like all this, you know, it was like, we were all mainly working in youth work at the time. So it was like this really cool, like dual life. 
we were all doing. Yeah. Because the studios that we sort of worked in and learned in were part run by the county council. So we all had that like edge, like that um, that side to it. And then, um, yeah, but then I don't know. It was like we did, yeah, did two albums and then just that natural thing, everyone. Yeah, I think there's only a time you have you sort of have a set amount of time to yeah, do you stuff have, and we tour and Yeah, you, it's your twenties basically. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, oh, actually. Well, it's natural, like you say. It's not a big deal, it's just what happens, isn't it? Yeah, you exactly. Know, unless you are very fortunate enough to be like inverted commas successful, yeah. in which case then you've got an excuse to keep going, haven't you? But yeah. yeah so did did your um like because obviously the electronica and the reference points that we talked about earlier, did that start to develop? as you no that was all in there that was all in there as yeah, well yeah like our first swimming practice like the the guy we started the band with we just like you know we'd crush on like square pusher and uh, like all the like warp stuff and then yeah. same time like melvins and we were into like the post-rock thing like tortoise and yeah this you know and it was like trying to pull all of these elements together in like a way that um yeah just felt good like we didn't know what we were doing we were just yeah. like oh, okay so we so he's got a sampler and there's, you know, the people have done this before, how we can make it work. And, you know, some of the best recordings we did were just down in this beautiful practice room with a great PA and a great old eight track recorder and everything going through amps. And yeah, trying to do that, like, oh, this is the sound of a broken water pump with one little synth loop. And then we do like some really, really poppy, very like British indie sounding tune. Yeah. And we, so I think that was why it was always tricky to know what we were because we wanted to do all of, all of it. And did you have aspirations to kind of, you know, get signed and sort Yeah, of... we did. We put stuff out on touch tones. But you know what I mean? They like to, to kind of like make it and make... Yeah, well, I mean, our favourite thing was tour. Like we loved being in the studio in, but and we loved 20s, touring. Didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, that's like, that's all we did. We lived and breathed it. Yeah. Like it was bags of, you know, loads, print off 100 CDRs. Yeah. Put it in a rucksack go down find journalists who were into <laughs> what we were into yeah you know and then you know we had management who were like helped to we toured with like the best probably the best like little tour we did was supporting killing joke that was unreal wow and like yeah. getting to hang with killing joke when they were recording one of their records we did a little interview with jazz coleman well i it's mean like this crazy polymath isn't come as you are famously nicked from killing joke yeah yeah totally yeah yeah but apparently they got it from someone else so really yeah right it's, <laughs> it goes basically, back another level. it's basically it's just a good riff it's right? basically <laughs> the same riff isn't yeah it? yeah it'll exist forever someone else will do it again. yeah 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 wow okay so then um so now like because you've you've put you've you've done a label thing as well right you know you've put records out is that right yeah like very like niche ambient yeah like stuff yeah so can you make a living from it? Is, that, is this what is this what you're doing now? Yeah, like you know, t touch wood. Like I just, cause I've got two kids as well. Yeah, you know, like so, and Ron, you know, she does. She's Ronica, and so we, you know, we just sort of decided. I mean, that's just all we'd know. So we love, you know, love doing it. I'm not yeah. gonna, and it, and if you just if you can find a way, that's why the sound design thing came. Weirdly, it was to try and make the surf soundtrack sound better. But because I got into that world and, and it was right at a time when people were looking for that blend and then we did, a, you know, sound design blending into composition and yeah. like this whole um, like approach to sort of cinematic sound. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, there's just there's just enough. And it's been the last last two years has been harder, like budgets have been tighter. I don't yeah. know what it is, something in in the air. 
politically. Or... Uh, I think they just go in cycles, though, don't they? Yeah. That's what I've always found. I mean, it's all freelance blagging, isn't it? When it comes down to it, you know, you're trying to, you try to, like you say, find a thing that you like doing and find a way of, you know, you don't have to get rich, do you? You just have to find no, a way exactly. of like getting, being the, able to make the next thing, getting the finding the, the time to to do what you want to piss around for a living. Well, there's almost, yeah, there's almost more of a purity in it when, when it's not like, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being ambitious and careerist, like that sort of thing. But when that's not your goal, but that's why I asked that question earlier about did you want to make it? Because like, th- I think you have to learn that when you're a creative person i had to certainly learn that you know like um what you just said was totally summed it up i mean it it is it is better and the work's better as well yeah like when you don't have that desperation no exactly (laughs) of like yeah i must you know i must get this thing you know like and if i look back at stuff that i've done you can smell that like definitely and and but you have to learn that i think as a creative definitely and and it's it's um it's liberating, I yeah. think, because you can just be like, actually, no one really cares. I can just do what I want. And then, yeah. you know, it's a bit of a rule, isn't it? It gets better. And then the, that's when stuff probably starts happening a little bit. So did you did you have to learn that or did you always have that attitude? So the, this whole like approach to creativity, the whole idea of making anything is like it's uh, like an opportunity to ref- like reflect. That's kind of why I wanted the mirror thing in the name. Yeah. And um and it's like which which direction are you pointing your your reflection? What are you reflecting? Is it something that's just like you try and go or just on inspiration and instinct as much as possible? But you, I think it's I think you learn a lot about yourself and you learn about what you can make if you start to look at what that actually is that you're focusing on. So like um, I'm a Baha'i, don't know the Baha'i faith, but I have like a um like it doesn't necessarily inform and anything it's not like behind music or anything like that but it's definitely like there's a motivation there to say something which reflects that and right. that's never gone away and that's why i'm quite excited about doing this the new band project because i i love doing the sound for music thing but when you take that away it's like it's quite daunting in one way but it's quite sort of liberating in in another yeah um Dan Deacon says it better than I'm saying it. No, He's but just done a really good talk, interview. But, but it's um, yeah. is this it's an it's an honesty though, isn't it? Yeah, basically, it's what you, it's what what we're talking about. It's like, and I think that really comes across like in what you're doing because it's, you know, it's you're working in all these different areas and they're all sincere and honest uh, and there's a lightness to it which I think is not easy to achieve creatively personally because you know use the word desperation earlier and sometimes that you can you can see that you know so i think the work you're doing definitely comes across as um you know you just seem very comfortable in in, in the way that you try to express yourself which is kind of like you can't ask for more than that creatively can you really no well that's what i mean the i mean it helps with what the footage is actually actually is that's what makes it so i'm working with people like chris and you know the um you know, like when you're younger it's so natural and then almost like in you know in the 20s it was it got like harder because you start thinking you're overthinking it yeah and that you know and there's there might be like you have or there was also more voices the more people you reach the more voices there are the, the harder it is to like be like shut off and go back to that core yeah reality of why it is that you do what you do 
Um, and sometimes that's fine for, to evolve and to change. Like that's naturally gonna, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, but you, I don't know, like you, your instincts change, I think. And especially when you're doing, you know, I've done loads of really tight turnaround stuff for short films or for like, there's a campaign at the moment for like kids safety with this great um, director who, you know, the turnaround was quite tight and it was like three minutes of music with a definite feel like this, like urban threats, like kids in their local environment talking about how they feel safe or not safe and these little um, kind of scenarios of them going through that. And like, there's no time to be like, oh, I'm just gonna try this or I'm gonna try that. You just have to like trust your instinct, trust the experience that you've had and just create something like just on one or two watches through. And you know, I'm quite into like you watch it through, you watch it through, you sit, you don't do it, make a sound, and then you watch it through again and play, and then ho hopefully, like your hands do something or yeah, like you your instinct it. to to you know choose that preset or yeah. that sound that you've already made before, you know, because you spend a lot of time like using another side of your brain, getting all the technical stuff right, so that in those moments, you know, it's not the foundations are there to yeah, just, exactly. to just express yourself. Well, that that that's immaturity though, isn't it? And like um. A, a, again like you know you gotta earn the right to get there i think with with the work that you've done though yeah i know and just an obsession as well yeah you know it's just like you know oh it's just you know it's like what you say with all these different bits of gear in the room they're all there for a particular reason yeah you know and, and they tell like, a story yeah exactly like yeah oh i'm gonna do like on on that guitar i've had loads of uh, acoustic um tracks on this new record and there's one particular pickup. I was like, I love the sound of that pickup. Where's that on a one particular record? Find out where it is. Finally find it where yeah. I can actually afford it. And it's like, now I can do those tracks. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, all right. I've got one question. Last question. All right. CJ Mirror. Where's what where's the name from? Uh so kind of alluded to it a bit earlier, but it's it was my mate when I was gonna go off a f very first thing I was gonna do under this name was um like loads of dance music right with my brother around around europe and i had all these like really like long trippy dance tracks right and then i was like but i don't just want to do that i want to do like you know i'm big into like photos and I do a bit of writing and all that and he's like oh well just get on with it like <laughs> and he said uh he was like what you know what what's going to make it you and then he ended up saying <laughs> so cheesy <laughs> uh, but he was like see john's mirror that's what he said cj see john's mirror so that's what it is cj right. mirror okay but then m-i-r-r-a yeah um, man so i really enjoyed that sorry no it's great <laughs> thanks a lot for doing it man it was it, how was it yeah yeah it's cool like as long as it's on you know i can talk about surf soundtracks and gear all day so there you go that was me and cj mirror aka john sampson very much enjoyed that chat about all things creative and musical. Hope you did too. If you're interested in what we discussed and want to find out more, the first place to start is to check out his music, which is on Spotify. Um, obviously, a bit of a dirty word in a lot of ways, but it's pretty handy. And if you want to get catch up with John's music, that's the best place to start. Then I would also keep an eye out for when they do take the Translate show on tour, which I'm going to say counts as a must-attend event when that does happen. So keep them peeled for that. Now, John also put together a mix for me with which to accompany this episode, which is great and which you can listen to by, you've probably guessed it, signing up to my newsletter. Now, the newsletter comes out, as I mentioned, very frequently every Monday morning with the five things that I think are worth sharing. 
Um, I sent John's mix out in the last uh, installment of the newsletter and I'll resend it in next week's newsletter. So if you want to receive it and the newsletter every week, head to my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com where you'll find a sign-up link or head to my Instagram at wearelooksideways and click the link and you'll find a sign-up for it there as well. Um, Incidentally, speaking of We Look Sideways, little point of order actually it's not called we look the we look sideways podcast it's called the looking sideways podcast now i do understand that the instagram and the website say we are looking sideways we look sideways that's because some other fucker had the looking sideways.com and the looking sideways instagram so i had to improvise um that doesn't mean it's called we look sideways it's called looking sideways now i realize i'm basically asking everybody to embark on a mass wind up and call it we look sideways even more but i've got to make a stand on this one it's looking sideways so what else is going on well i'm off to cornwall next week on my long trailed again at least on instagram kerno omnibus yep it's happening still teeing up the people i'll be interviewing on that trip um but it's looking good big thanks to my friends at the watergate bay hotel who have kindly agreed to host me during that trip which I'm very much looking forward to because as if you've been, you'll know it's pretty nice down there. Um, as ever, I'll be posting about that on Instagram if that's your bag. So you could follow it there. Elsewhere in Housekeeping Corner. So I'm thinking of getting an intern. Imagine that, right? Um, I did again discuss this on Instagram. Got a good bit of, you know, interesting feedback, but I thought I'd talk about it here as well. Haven't really nailed a job description down for that. But basically, it'll involve helping me on all things looking sideways. Um, so mainly the book project I'm going to be working on over the next few months with Owen Tozer, but also day-to-day podcast stuff and helping me work on some of the long-term bits that I've been meaning to do for months and even years in some cases and I've never quite got around to. So it suits someone who's looking to get into journalism, who's interested in working in this daft old industry, etc. It'll be paid, you know, technically you can get away without paying interns if you really want to. But let's be honest, in this day and age, there's absolutely no excuse for not paying interns. Even if you do offer them free kit or experience, I don't think it's that cool really, mainly because it perpetuates the idea that a career like journalism is only an option for people who've got enough money to be able to afford not to to work for free. Um, I think... There's a lot of that going around at the minute. And if you are going to do an internship, something like this, then really you should help people on the ladder by giving them a little bit of cash. So it will be paid. Um, Yeah, uh, it will be remote. I'm not asking people to come to Brighton. You can do it remotely. So if that sounds interesting, then email me over at podcast.wearelookingsideways.com and let's see how we get on. Like I say, I've not fully decided that I'm going to do it yet. I'm just kind of working out if people are interested right now. So yeah, all right, that's it for now. My dog is pretty much sitting on my leg. I think he wants to go for a walk. So I better get going. I'll be back next week. In the meantime, have a good one. Nice one. <laughs>